Before we continue with the show, a quick word from today's episode partner, UBS. Do you want to grow with your business? Then the UBS Growth Talks may be for you. You will get support from peers and experts in order to take that next big step towards success. And the best thing, it's free of charge. For more information, go to ubs.com forward slash growth dash talks. Selling a company means um, starting very, very early, preparing, talking to people, to the right people, to um, colleagues, entrepreneurs who sold their company already, or to advisors. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Thomas, Vito, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Vito, you are the head of SME M&A at UBS. So you basically represent the seller side that we're going to talk about today. And you, Thomas, you're the head of Transaction Advisory Switzerland here at UBS. And you basically represent the buyer side that we're going to also address today. My first question is for you, Vito. What are the biggest mistakes that you see of sellers? Oh, well, there are uh, some uh, several mistakes that can, that can happen. Um, I think the most important ones are uh, assuming that uh, it will be easy to sell a company. Um, it often is not that easy as uh, someone might uh, expect. Um, another big mistake that uh, I encounter, encounter pretty often is that uh, companies are not well prepared to being to be sold, and um, sometimes uh, they are also not uh, documented well enough, you know, to start in such a, so, such a process. So yeah, mm-hmm. selling companies not a walk in the park. We're going to address those specific points that you just mentioned in a minute. Of course, we also want to ask you, Thomas. What are the biggest mistakes that you see on the buyer side? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a question not not easy to answer because actually, as uh, Vito just said, a lot can go wrong with acquisitions uh, since this is a process with quite some complexity that uh, needs a proper planning in terms of timing and parties to be involved. Perhaps I would say probably the, the biggest mistake is that some buyers do just not uh, understand or do underestimate this fact and so there are several aspects uh, which have to be considered and sometimes buyers do just focus on topics where they have their core competence and uh, forget about other things or do not seek enough advice for example um, in respect of uh, rather unsexy but financially uh, important legal and tax topics yeah uh, also very important topics that we're also going to address in more detail in a minute Let's talk about the start of the process, Vito. When is the right time to actually sell my company? Um, well, I mean, it's uh, not that an easy question, but I think in general you can say that uh, it's uh, it's best uh, to sell or to start sell your company or to try to sell your company when uh, you see a promising future uh, in front of you. I mean... Uh, Everybody prefers to buy a company who has a great future um, in front of it than uh, the opposite. 
Um, I think also you ha should have a look at uh, favorable uh, market trends. There can be um, some changes in politics or um, stuff like that, or new technologies that come up and uh, are, um, you know, substituting existing ones. Mm -hmm. And um, to, to pick up again uh, something I told you before, I mean, start your, the, the, to, to sell your company when you finish preparing it for this step. Right. And then basically you also wonder, what are the most common reasons why somebody actually wants to sell a company? Is there a common trend or a common motivation behind that that you realize, that you see? Yeah, I mean, that, that there are um, many motivations to to, uh, to sell a company. I mean, the, the most ones we encounter is uh, because of success succession topics. Um, being the owners um, are getting in a in a, in, in a age range uh, where they yeah realize that they won't do that for the next twenty years, mm -hmm. so they have to um, think about who will be here uh, after me, and uh, this is one of the most common uh, motivations. Um, but also a quite frequent uh, motivation is when, uh, you know, you, you, you were pretty successful with developing uh, your company um, until uh, a stage and then you need to take the next big step. You need a strong partner, which uh, has uh, maybe some capital strength also, which uh, you don't have uh, by, your, by your own. And that might be also an... Uh, and motivation to uh, looking for someone who uh, mm -hmm. is backing you up. Yeah, great. And Thomas, okay. on the other side, what sort of what different types do you support from the buyer side? So basically, we support all types of buyers. So these are, uh, for example, competitors, so-called strategic buyers, mm -hmm. financial investors uh, like private equity funds uh, or individuals or, or family members as well as uh, management teams in the context uh, of a management buyout or a management buy-in. So buyers can actually come from internal or external, and the latter are often coming into the game in the context of a structured selling or auction process, uh, which is handled uh, by an M&A advisor like Vitois. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And that's actually a great segue to the question you mentioned before, not being ready is a common mistake that you see and also not preparing the documents accordingly. So what homework, what KPIs also should a company have reached before I actually start the selling process? Yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, we could uh, talk about this question for about an hour uh, alone, <laughs> um, but uh, maybe we can focus on the most important things. Um, I think that um, it's very important for an entrepreneur or an owner of a company um, to prepare himself also a little bit um, for that what is coming. I mean, that can be done by talking to uh, other entrepreneurs who already sold and went to this process. Um, you know, just because uh, having or getting information from uh, people you, um, you trust because they're your friends or business partners or whatever um, is another way of getting information uh, than from a uh, you know, um, fiduciary or advisor, whatever. Mm. Um, I think it's pretty good if um, an entrepreneur or an owner of a company which is, is thinking about starting the process of selling or preparing his company to sell uh, in, in a few years, um, if he 
starts to talk to these guys um, just to to get to know their experiences or maybe visit some seminars or events. I mean, uh, advisors, also banks do lots of events in this space. And um, I mean, each information you can uh, get from this kind of events, it's it's uh, information for free. Um, and uh, this will prepare him a little bit, you know, to get an expectation, a, a real expectation, uh, what's coming. And, um, you know, all the structural uh, things, um, you know, being well documented with the company, um, look that it's uh, saleable. I mean, that, uh, you know, not everything uh, hangs on the on the owner himself. Um, these are more technical issues. So, I mean, he will encounter that anyway when he starts talking with uh, people uh, and uh, attend such events. And, you know, today's conversation is also with a specific focus on specific companies. So what we're about to discuss and already mentioned from your experience, from your perspective to what companies does that knowledge and experience share actually apply to? Well, I mean, uh, our clients are um, basically, most of them are um, uh, long-standing companies which have, uh, uh, you know, several years of track record, um, market-proven um, services or products. And they are, let's say, um, major companies, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, not. I, I don't want to, t to tell you that uh, it's impossible to sell um, young company or startups or whatever, um, but it's a kind of um, niche, you know, within M&A itself. And it's uh, another topic maybe uh, we can spend another hour to talk about these right. guys. Is there a certain revenue threshold that you look at where you say below that specific revenue number, it's probably not a good fit? Look, instead of revenue, I, I would prefer to talk about uh, profitability, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to get the attention of uh, professional investors or buyers, uh, either on the strategic side or on the financial uh, buyer side, I mean, you, you you need to be to be honest um, to have a, yeah to be quite big already. Okay, I, I don't know if you need a number. Let's say you have you have to do her to generate around about two and a half millions of ABTA plus, yeah. and um, you know. If your company is a smaller one, you know, like there are several in Switzerland also, then it might be that, um, yeah, the buyer's universe moves a little bit to other private people, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, want to become entrepreneurs or owners of a company. Uh, just a little bit another um, another segment of buyers, let's let's uh, put it that, that way. Right. But I think that gives people a good perspective, you know, about the scope and the focus that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Then something, no matter whether you're selling or buying a company, something where they were always the buyers and the sellers meet is basically the due diligence process. So now with a focus on the buyer side, which parties do have to be involved in the due diligence process and how do you coordinate them? I mean, of course, this depends on the complexity of the transaction itself and uh, specific topics to be covered in the due diligence process. But I would say usually you have at least a financial and a tax advisor. Mm -hmm. um, this can be the fiduciary or can also be one of the big four for larger transactions. And uh, I, I would say it's, it's also advisable to have a lawyer on board 
particularly for the preparation and negotiation of the purchase agreement and uh, or the documents uh, needed for the closing process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, don't forget about the tax authorities. Uh, they also have to be involved in order to receive a ruling about structural topics. Uh, which shall uh, avoid an unpleasant surprise um, in terms of a tax bill after closing of the transaction. So, I mean, it, it's really important that the buyer gets an overview of all potential critical topics at the beginning of the process in, in order to define the scope of the required persons and the uh, advisors to be involved in, in a timely manner. I think that's something really astonishing that we have here in Switzerland. You can just go to the tax authorities before you actually do the deal and sort of get the ruling in place. And I think that's unique. So you really have to make use of that to do a good job there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you also heavily focus on the MBI part, the management buy-in uh, process to then actually get become part of the company, become an owner. So what role does the bank play in that process? I mean... Obvious one is that the bank uh, provides the acquisition financing for the funding at the end, but uh, I would say actually we also support the buyer in terms of structuring and uh, closing over the whole process means that we are acting as a kind of a sparring partner for them. Yeah. And what are the due diligence topics that are important from a bank's perspective, especially also for a potential credit assessment? Yeah, I mean, the main topic are certainly the intended transaction structure. So simply speaking, who is buying who, just to have a clear picture about that. Then of course, the sources and uses of the funds, uh, just to see if there is enough equity besides uh, the debt amount that is requested. Um, then a proper understanding uh, of the rationale and motivation uh, of the seller as well as of the buyer. And uh, of course, we, we also need some um, good, uh, good knowledge about the capabilities and the fit of the buyer, because uh, here we want to avoid any, any potential transfer risk. And that's particularly in cases of incoming buyers. So in, in case of a management uh, buy-in, for example. And then very important is, of course, all the f financial information, uh, including mm -hmm. historical reports, as well as uh, a business plan with uh, projections showing details to main drivers and uh, potential synergies. And uh, I mean, it's, it's also key that, that we get a proper understanding of, of the business model, um, the involved technology, of course, the markets, competitors, the value chain. So. Who are the suppliers? Who are the customers? Are there any dependencies or concentration risks uh, on their side? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in general, you can say uh, that the banks and the buyers' information requirements will basically be in the same uh, way. And so transparency does uh, increase the success uh, of the financing as well as uh, the, the transaction itself. Have you ever experienced any red flags from, from your side in, in the buying process where you say, that was a real showstopper and stopped the whole process. I mean, of course, um, as I just mentioned, all the due diligence topics, um, as, it's, it's, it's very important that we get involved as soon as possible. So mm -hmm. that also the buyer gets uh, early feedback from, from the bank that he can also, um, let's say, bring that into the transaction, but showstopper, for example, as I said, uh, the transfer risk, uh, especially with, with a management uh, buy-in. I mean, that's very important that we get really a good good um, idea about the, 
the, the buyer itself about his uh, his rationale, his strategy, his background. I mean, that could be a, sh a showstopper besides mm -hmm. all the other things uh, that are more common, like uh, the financials, of course. Yeah. So now we heard what is required from the buyer side, Vito. What else do you think is important from the selling side to consider in that due diligence process? To be well positioned uh, as a seller for a due diligence, I think uh, the key is to be well prepared. I mean, let let people help you to prepare to prepare uh, the information which is uh, um, in 80% of all cases needed. You know, for the for the due diligence during such a process, um, no matter who is uh, on the other side of the table. You know, um, and it is also very useful if. You know, you don't prepare the stuff, the documentation just the day before um, you want to start with due diligence because, firstly, it's uh, it's a massive amount of documentation. I mean, um, please do not enter, underestimate that that and the time it 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 takes you to uh, collect uh, all the information. But um, not just because of of that, also because you know, take um, the preparation of due diligence also as an opportunity to. Uh, uh, to talk to your advisors on your side because you will have the more or less the same advisors uh, on your side li like the buyers the buyers have um, namely the, the fiduciary the the the, the tax advisor or, or, or uh, tax attorney or um, the attorney anyway the transaction um, uh, attorney lawyer and um, you know it's a good chance to go over the documentation and see if there are really big issues which should be solved before you start the due diligence process um, um, uh, itself. I mean, buying a share, it's, uh, it, it's more complicated than uh, someone might, might, might think. And I, I also had uh, clients which, from a juridical point of view, were not the owner of the share they, wa they wanted to sell, you know, and my, stuff like this can be a real mess, you know, when, uh, when it pops up only in the due diligence process when the buyer is already involved. Um, so that's a good example why you should take uh, this opportunity when you prepare the due diligence documentation also to see if there is some serious issue which you have to solve before. You know, yeah. um, I think this is a good advice yeah. to start early and involve early the, the people needed to make sure that everything is okay. In terms of due diligence preparation, is I know there's no solution that fits all, but is there... A, a rough time frame that you would recommend get started at least three months before you want to actually have the due diligence and send out the first documents or what would you recommend there in terms of timeline? A big chunk of due diligence is, uh, preparation is uh, collecting the, the information, the documentation, you know, and um, nowadays when we are talking about um, digitalization and stuff like that, uh, I think you could even start five years before because, you know, I mean, um, Taking one hour each Friday just before you go to the weekend and collect uh, some documents and uh, uh, scan them or uh, and, and store them and, and on the right place in a well structure with a, a good name um, and this every week for one hour it's uh, it's it's a complete complete other story than having to pull everything together within three months two months or whatever I mean. Just start as early as you can because 
it uh, it will help you anyway if you have everything well structured and uh, in um, in uh, electronic form. So. That's a fantastic tip to do that on a regular basis and not waiting until that topic becomes yeah. And you know, I mean, concrete. if you if you manage as an owner to um, to sell it uh, good to your uh, to your employees, you 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 can even um, engage them. You know, I mean, right. you can engage them and say, look, uh, we want to do a digitalization project. Let's uh, have each Friday from uh, three to five. We we do this work and then we get uh, an aperitif together or whatever, yeah. um, you will have the, dog, the work done without uh, um, remarking it, actually. I like that a lot. That's a creative way of doing it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> now, the next phase is the negotiation phase. So you also have in that phase the very important question, how do we find the right price? How do you get there? That's like a very tricky topic, I could imagine. Yeah, uh, I mean, finding the right price, I mean, it's uh, always crucial uh, in each uh, transaction. Um, however, it's not the only criteria, you know, which uh, basically leads the owner to sell to a specific uh, seller. Um, I mean, you you should, you should have a um, valuable idea of what a realistic price should be or could be, mm -hmm. okay? So we're talking about um, fundamentally um, uh, evaluate your company. Then um, you have the other um, side, which is basically market dynamics. I mean, um, if a company uh, is uh, very attractive and you have a lot of buyers who want to buy the company, uh, no, no matter what it costs, then you sometimes have um, pretty interesting happenings, uh, you know, um, at, at, at the very end of the negotiation phases because uh, people start to think, hey, I, I put it, um, so much effort in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, having a look at this uh, company and it's a, this transaction. I, I, I don't want to lose it now. Mm -hmm. um, that's a moment where prices are paid which are not really um, you know, explainable by logics or calculations or whatever. Um, however, when the company is uh, not that attractive and nobody wants it, it's uh, you can calculate on your Excel sheet whatever you want. Um, it's not go not, not going to be paid. Um, yeah. So there are different elements. You know the the corporate finance valuation elements, which are um, yeah basically correct and and right. But um, I mean market uh, can be cruel sometimes mm -hmm. um, and has al always uh, an, uh, a surprise for you. I think that's a great takeaway to not underestimate the timing because all the market dynamics do have an important influence on yeah. your price. Exactly. A different perspective, Thomas, is basically, can we actually get that price financed? Because that's where you come from in from the buyer side. What role does that play? Yeah, I mean, actually, that's a very important question uh, which is to be answered as soon as possible and uh, better before the signing of the purchase agreement of course <laughs> 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 so i mean the debt amount uh, which a bank uh, offers provides 
uh, provides the buyer also with with a benchmark uh, for, for the purchase price and therefore also for the negotiation. So it means um, if the gap that has to be filled uh, with equity or when alone is high, then the price obviously also seems to be rather high, right? And uh, you're going to pay a decent part of the price for the projected upside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the debt financing itself, it's, it's uh, more based uh, on the available free cash flows. So it's uh, more a historical consideration taking a, into account uh, of a part of the upside. But uh, it's it's probably more conservative compared to uh, a pure equity valuation. Uh, in that regard, just maybe a random question from my personal curiosity. How do you structure that? Do you usually work with companies that buy other companies or do you work with private person who are then also personally reliable if the debt cannot be paid back? I mean, in terms of structure, what we usually have are uh, Swiss corporates mm-hmm. um, instead of uh, private persons or individuals. That's uh, also due to the tax uh, advantages that you have and, and more flexibility if you think about um, any potential disposal in the future. Yeah, great. And you mentioned negotiations. So Vito, I wonder from the seller perspective, if you have any negotiation tips that you can give to our listeners. A very basic one is uh, to go pretty open-minded in these kind of discussions. I mean, um, when you always, uh, when you are already sitting at the negotiation table, that means basically that you did a lot of, uh, you know, of of, uh, right. I mean, that means that basically both of you want to have a deal together. Okay, that's... uh, that's a, a good a, a good uh, premise um, in order to be successful. Then, um, you know, people who are talking to you as a seller, um, I mean, you are selling your company and people who are talking to you, they don't know the company as good as you have, as, as you do. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to keep that everything, every time in mind. And even when, uh, you know, the questions come or um, some um uh, uh, s- s- some some clauses are negotiated which uh, you really don't like. It it's not because the buyer wants to hurt you. It's because maybe it didn't understand something right. And uh, so you should take the um, negotiation table as an opportunity. Also, again, like the due diligence to clarify stuff, uh, open questions in order to get the um, most attractive uh, terms in the contract, which uh, do not hurt you. Um, stay cool try not to get angry um, even if sometimes it's really difficult um, and uh, don't talk too much I also once heard so I'm very curious to to hear your thoughts about that that whoever wants to deal less actually wins the negotiation because you could basically walk away at any moment is that true from your experience? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it might be a little bit true, because, but, uh, you know, when when you end up at the negotiation table, then uh, basically both parts did a lot of work already. Yeah. And um, you have to keep in mind that once you, you, you are there, nobody wants to walk away, actually, because they yeah. want to do the deal. Yeah, you're um, already emotionally attached yeah. to the thought of making a yeah. deal together. But it can happen, for sure. I mean... Sure. Uh, but it's not the intent uh, a priori for, yeah. for, 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 both, for both parties. 
And of course, the question that you also ask yourself, probably somewhere along the process, ideally at the beginning, should I get external help to walk through the process with me? Well, look, I think um, that's uh, a really good advice to to get people on board, uh, uh, advisors uh, for the different uh, topics. Um, as we said before, you know, tax, legal, uh, process management, um, uh, in order to help you because um, people do not even uh, buy a television alone or sell a television alone. So why should be selling a company yeah, more easier than that? I mean, mm -hmm. if there is something where you need uh, partners who, who help you out uh, and know which know the process because uh, it's a process you usually don't, do not uh, more than once in a lifetime, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think you should uh, take the chance to, to get them on board. Yeah. yeah. And from your perspective and experience, Thomas, um, any other part where you should really get help or anything to add to that question? No, actually, I would just confirm what uh, Vito just mentioned. I mean, uh, don't try to save money uh, with, with advisors, especially not uh, with legal or tax advisors. Yeah. Um, and uh, definitely make sure that you get the bank on board before you agree on the purchase agreement. In that regard, is it also helpful or would you recommend to also have, despite, of course, the money that you pay for the advisors, to also have sort of a success rate where you get a percentage of the buying or purchase price? Well, that, that's that's uh, basically more common in uh, in sell side situations yeah. where you uh, um, uh, during the whole process you 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 get uh, little payments actually mm -hmm. and uh, a, a big chunk of uh, your uh, your payments or your payoff is is linked to the successful se uh, se uh, sale of the company. Got it. That's uh, that's that's pretty uh, common. Yeah. yeah. So Thomas, you already talked about the important role of the bank in the due diligence process. And of course, that serves the actual financing aspect. So what is the UBS's offering for transaction financing? I mean, it's uh, quite a lot where we can support, of course. So, uh, I mean, UBS provides telemate financing solutions for all kinds of buyers, as, as I've mentioned, and situations. So for successions in terms of an MBO or MBI, corporate acquisitions with uh, strategic buyers uh, or the leveraged buyouts with uh, more financial investors. And in this context, uh, we are acting as a sparring partner to the buyer over the whole process in, in several aspects. Uh, for example, this also includes a second opinion on these very important uh, aspects uh, for legal and tax topics uh, by our internal experts. Um, in addition, we coordinate the whole closing and funding process and uh, therefore support our clients um, to ensure utmost transaction security. And last but not least, uh, not to forget all the other aspects uh, in connection uh, with, with the transaction and the operating business. So UBS as a global universal bank can, of course, offer all the things like the account openings, payment services, FX, trade finance uh, and a lot more of, of more. That's a very well-rounded package. And in that regard, you also probably get the question, what are some common financing parameters that you pay attention to? Yeah, I mean, perhaps starting with, with the most important one is the financing amount, which is uh, defined on, on the basis uh, of the sustainable free cash flows of the tax and uh, capex. And uh, this amount has to be sufficient uh, to repay the acquisition financing within five to seven years. Mm -hmm. 
In addition, we usually require at least 20% of equity. Um, this shall also um, ensure the buyer's commitment. Skin in the game, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And further uh, common structural elements that are common for these type of transactions, like um, that we take the shares of the acquired company as a security, mm-hmm. some financial covenants, uh, certain limitations for, for further indebtedness uh, or repayment uh, of equity. And as as we already discussed, uh, so from a structural perspective, um, we usually have corporations. Um, mm-hmm. as a buyer and a borrower. And as I said, uh, this is due to the flexibility and some advantages on the tech side. Yeah. And therefore also you need a certain size to actually be able to pull that off, as you also mentioned. Yeah. So Vito, after you sold the company, after the closing, you probably also get faced with the question, hey, I built or let this company, what should my role be after the sale? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you manage uh, to um, to have a role after the sales, which uh, puts you in absolutely freedom, maybe you can uh, go to a nice island and have <laughs> a little bit of vacation. Um, however, I mean, it's um, not always the case. And um, owners of company entrepreneurs are very different also in, um, uh, in this perspective. Um, I had uh, the possibility to uh, get to know people or owners of companies who sold and um, wanted to be part of the of the further develop, development mm-hmm. of the of the of the company under the new owner you know um, maybe paying more attention to key accounts or strategic projects um, and uh, a little bit less on uh, you know um, leadership uh, stuff like uh, and the administ- administration uh, topics um, on the other side, there are uh, situations where the buyer um, requires you actually to stay for a period of time because mm-hmm. um, uh, this is especially in, in uh, smaller companies, you know, when, when uh, the success and, and the value of the company is very, uh, is, is, is tightly linked to the, to the entrepreneur himself, um, that, uh, that the buyers requires uh, or asks you to to stay engaged and maybe um, then you talk uh, about earnout, uh, you know, and um, so these are situations where the seller is not that free to go uh, the day after the closing to the island, but um, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty um, different from situation to situation. Uh, what happens to you um, when you sold your company? There is no uh, one way fits it all, but <clears throat> I mean, I think that you should pay attention to if you if you are not allowed to go uh, straight away or if you don't want to go straight away that you at least negotiate terms um, about when will I be able to go that mm-hmm. you plan you know that the, the final cut off yeah. um, otherwise you will be waiting for it for the rest of your life and yeah. you don't want that you don't wa- want to have the island postponed forever exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> So that's already a wrap of the process. Thomas, I quickly want to ask you, do you have any final tips or additional resources that you can recommend to people to dig in if they want to know more about the whole process? I mean, final tip perhaps in, in the whole process or after, especially after closing, don't, don't forget about the stakeholders. So, I mean, especially after a change of control or change of ownership, there's quite some uncertainty 
And the buyer has to make sure that uh, the key employees or, or customers and suppliers that they stay on board to ensure the successful continuation of the business. Very good recommendation. Yeah, thank you. Vito, any final tips from your side? Well, I, I like to uh, stress out again that uh, selling a company means um, starting very, very early, preparing, talking to people, to the right people, to um, colleagues, entrepreneurs who sold their company already or to advisors, you know, trying to find out as much as possible uh, in order to shape your expectation and um, the your view, you know, on, on, on that, what, uh, what is coming, what expects you. And uh, I think this is uh, the most important advice you can give to an owner who is thinking about uh, selling his company sometimes. Right. Perfect. So to wrap up today's episode, we have some rapid fire questions for you. Thomas, I want to start with you right away. What is the best reason to buy from your perspective? Hmm. Well, I would say um, besides growth and synergies, perhaps uh, just becoming an entrepreneur and living your dream. Nice. And Vito, what is the best reason to sell? I think the best reason to sell is um, just to preserve the workplaces you created. Oh, also a good one. And what is your favorite sentence during a negotiation? Um, I think we are not too far away from each other. And then the last one for you, Thomas, buying or selling a company, if you had to choose one. Tricky question. Whatever. I mean, just make sure that, that you have uh, proper process planning and uh, all the required parties involved early enough. It's important, including the, the financing bank, of course. Yeah. And for you, Vito, buying or selling? I think owning one, which is running greatly. <laughs> That's actually also a very good option. Yeah, I would probably also choose that one. <laughs> Vito, Thomas, thank you so much for being here. Lots of success and all the best with hopefully many more companies to buy and to sell in your areas. Thank you, Silvan, for having us here. It was a pleasure.